All right, here we go. This is Worthlessly Worthwhile. You took four minutes of my life and I want them back. Oh, I'd only waste them anyway. Now your host, Art and Rich. Worthlessly Worthwhile is back. Art, it's a couple days into 2021. Got a lot to talk about, but before we get into anything that's coming up, what was the best sports moment of 2020 on on the field, on the court, arena, whatever it is? Um, obviously, a lot went uh, on off of the court and whatnot, but what was your favorite moment of 2020 on the field? Yeah, I had a hard time with this because there was a moment where, and I think we may have spoken about this on an old Worthlessly Worthwhile podcast back at the start of the pandemic, but I wasn't sure if sports should be something that we should be enjoying in, especially with some of the social justice uh, wars, I guess, battles that were going on that were coming to light in the media at that point. I wasn't sure if we should be enjoying sports at that time. Uh, But, you know, for the sake of this question, I guess biggest moment sports-wise, I thought about this. Uh, I guess LeBron James winning title in LA just another notch in the legacy of him being you know cementing himself as one of the greatest basketball players of all time uh it was not easy for basketball to continue in a bubble like they did and they were able to do it they they were able to finish uh, off the season and uh you know the king was crowned again so I guess I guess for me that was the top moment yeah I mean that was a huge moment for LeBron as he continues to try to at least be considered as part of the GOAT discussion. Um, I think no matter what LeBron does the rest of the way, there's always going to be a part of the sports population that just refuses to admit LeBron is even close to Michael. Um, There's just that group where it's MJ and then everyone else, right? And I can see where they get there, but as well, I think LeBron deserves an awful lot of respect and Going to Los Angeles um, and then winning the title with the Lakers this year. So his third franchise that he's won a title with. Only only he and Danny Green, I guess, now have done it right. So uh, I'd say LeBron probably a little bit more instrumental in his championships than Danny Green was. Yeah, just a little bit. Maybe just a touch, right? Um, so I think that was a huge moment. But I, I kind of went to the football field because I thought, the storyline in the NFL is tough for me to say as a 49ers fan, Art, but um, I thought the Super Bowl was the top moment of 2020 or the top game, the top story, whatever you want to call it. Um, it, it just was such a, a perfect storybook ending. Um, you have the future or the the guy who's starting to become the face of the league in Patrick Mahomes, the young guy, uh, first full season wins his MVP award, right? So to have him win his first Super Bowl, but also with a fourth quarter comeback and and being MVP of the Super Bowl, um, I thought that was the top moment because it was just exactly how you would want to write it, and it it established him as the new face of the NFL. Yeah, that's a really strong point. If you're talking about best game too, like the Super Bowl was fantastic game, start to finish. It was a tough, uh, tough end. result for me, Art, but uh, no, you're right. Yeah, it yeah. was just an unbelievable Super Bowl. And really, like you said about Patrick Mahomes, it, I think that was also, it was also the end as a Patriots fan. It was the end of the Brady-Belichick domination and maybe forever, right? I think so. Um, look, at, look at the Patriots now. Obviously... We've talked about it, Art. We're going to get into the Patriots somehow. You you found a way to get them in there. I'm sorry. <laughs> it didn't take long. But, I, yeah, they had some guys opt out before the year. So it, it's really not that surprising to see how they've struggled. Um, but I, they don't have a quarterback, really, right? Uh, they have to find a quarterback that can win some football games with them if they want to be relevant again, or at least in terms of what they used to be, which relevance to the Patriots is really about winning championships and nothing else, right? Um, so that's their biggest challenge. But yeah, I don't know if 
if Belichick is going to be around the next time the Patriots are competing for a Super Bowl. It's it's going to be a tough AFC with Mahomes. I think uh, Lamar Jackson had a bit of a down year, but I really like him and his future um, and in Baltimore with just what's a very strong organization. So I think those two teams are going to be really tough to knock off in the future. Yeah, I and I didn't. I'm sorry that I brought it to the Patriots, but the point I was trying to make was just adding to your point of maybe that being the biggest moment of on the field of 2020 was Mahomes becoming the face of the NFL undisputed. Like he had already won the MVP the year before, but here he was the MVP. He was, you know, he's certified the best player in the league now. And that was that that's what the Super Bowl meant this year in 2020. Yeah. If you think back just uh, about three years ago, there was a lot of conversation about who is the next generation of quarterbacks to come up behind Brady and Peyton Manning, who had just recently retired, and Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. There was that group of quarterbacks, and then who who was going to be the ones to come in and take hold? And really, it seemed up in the air. Nobody was really stepping in and taking hold of the NFL until Mahomes showed up and they the NFL was getting stale in that regard right you really want that young superstar quarterback there was young superstars all across the NFL but you want that quarterback right it's the most important position and Mahomes was the guy and then you can still see the image of him with the confetti coming down he's got the trophy it's kind of an iconic image even though he hasn't won anything else yet um, but you just get the feeling it's the first of many yeah, and he and it didn't take him long, really, right? So I think that's another testament to just the changing of the guard quickly. We know it; it's undisputed now at this point, and it just it happened so quickly, and that's the way it should happen, I think. And that's the way it's happened in the past with Peyton Manning. I guess it took Tom Brady a little bit longer, but it, it the changing of the guard from the new to the old, and I think it happened really quickly, and uh, that's a testament to what it really means. Yeah, and now, I mean, we start the NFL playoffs in a week, right? So we get to see what is the follow-up to that Super Bowl win for Kansas City. And then, like we talked about, Lamar Jackson with the Ravens. Are they going to get in and make a run? Um, you got Josh Allen and the Bills having a great year. So are they going to become a contender in the AFC? It's, it's exciting to see what's going to break down. But we still have Week 17 and a lot, um, a lot still on the line. So... You know, the Ravens, that's a big one because they had and still had championship aspirations. But coming into the year, they expected a lot. And at 10 and 5, you would think you're probably going to make the playoffs. But they're in a tough division with uh, Cleveland having, I, I was going to call it a resurgence, but I guess you would have to have been at the top to re- resurge back there. I, I don't know what you call it with the Browns, but they're, they're finally winning football games. And the Steelers so hot out of the gates right so the ravens have to win i believe to get in or get some help if they don't yeah the browns have to win the ravens have to win or get a loss i think from another team uh if they win they're in i think and uh uh, yeah the browns have to win uh the colts have to win and they have to get some help to get in as well Mm -hmm. i think the colts have to win and the browns have to lose uh, there's yeah, so there there is still things to be decided in week 16. Uh, there are a couple of teams that are skating through. Um, there are a couple of teams that we know are just the worst. So there's still both of those things. So when you're trying to navigate week 16 or week 17, I guess it is, uh, it's it's difficult to uh, to to know exactly the motivations of every team. Uh, so if you're gambling out there, it's it's still not easy. And we just might be doing that, right, Art? Ah, you know, perhaps. But is there any team in the AFC that can give Kansas City a run for their money? Great question. And I've heard this question asked of by experts and what they think. And a lot of people are throwing the Ravens off just because they've just, they every matchup that they've had with the Chiefs just hasn't, it just hasn't hasn't even been a game. Like the Chiefs were just ransacked them every time, including a matchup this year. Um, I'm gonna say that the 
Ravens do have the best chance because I think they're getting hot right now. And I really believe that they have a good coach. And if it's th- three times a charm, I-, I think they have the best, most talented roster. Uh, the Bills are and they, they're an interesting team. They're another team that people think can can go gun to gun with with the uh, with the Chiefs because Josh Allen is perhaps the most improved player in the NFL this year. Uh, his his DC's accuracy rating it's gone up like tenfold, like incredible. Uh, like over, I've never seen this improvement accuracy wise from from a quarterback. So, and with Stefan Diggs there, just, you know, nobody can guard Stefan Diggs this year. So maybe, maybe, maybe it's the bills, but I still think the Ravens because they have a defense that uh, is probably the best in the AFC and they're, they're getting healthier. And I think they're a little underrated right now. People aren't talking about them at all. They're just throwing them, uh, throwing them out because a, they Lamar Jackson's had a bit of a down year. B, they haven't played well against the Chiefs. But I think that they might be a sneaky team just because nobody's talking about them. And uh, they've already faced the Chiefs. They know what they're facing. What about the Browns? I, I like them when you look at what playoff football is usually like. Um, and even if you look back to last year, the Chiefs had a couple of slow starts and they they were able to overcome them. I mean, what was it, 24 nothing? against Houston if Houston was able to run the ball and control the clock and and play good defense Kansas City never could have come back from that and and that's the type of thing that the Browns excel at they can run the football as well as almost anyone they've got a really strong defense uh you know they're gonna put a lot of pressure on Mahomes if they get the chance to take on the Chiefs at any point in the playoffs um but Baker Mayfield you know he's played really well at times this year but he's also not played well at times and that big of a stage I don't know what I would expect out of out of Baker Mayfield um but I really like the rest of how the Browns are set up come playoff time didn't they just lose to the Jets though man ah sure but <laughs> no I I okay so I I throw that out the window because uh there was a lot of things going into that COVID of all going into that I think I think if the Browns can get their running game going in the last few weeks um, a couple of players on their offensive line have been hurt and their running game has noticeably been worse. It, and when that struggles, they struggle to move the ball. Um, but I think the team knows what they are and they have a good defense. Miles Garrett got COVID-19 and he has been, he was the first to say that it hit him pretty hard and he hasn't been the same player for a few weeks. So uh, if he can go back to being, you know, that number one guy, which he has been for most of the season, yeah, they have an opportunity, maybe. Uh, it, it's going to be tough to beat the Chiefs. Uh, I, I really think you have a better chance at gunning it and then making a stop at the key moment, so running and gunning with them, than trying to beat them defensively in a in, in a slow game like that because I, I just don't think you can dictate the terms with the Chiefs. I just don't think you can. Especially not if they're fully healthy. I know they've got a, yeah. a bit of injury concern right now, but if... If they get healthy by the time uh, their playoff starts, you know, it's going to be tough to keep up with them. I agree. But what about in the NFC? We've got four teams that are in so far. The Packers, the Saints, the Seahawks, and the Bucks are in. Um, And then you got a bunch of scenarios that can play out with Arizona, uh, the Rams, Chicago. You've got the NFC East completely up for grabs. Anyone but the Eagles can win. Um, But is who's the class of the NFC at this point? Yeah, it looks like it's Green Bay. I, I still don't trust their defense for whatever reason. Uh, but it, right now, it's it's clearly the Packers. But I, it's interesting because if you had asked me two weeks ago, I would have said the Rams were the best team in the NFC. I thought they were they were they had the best coach. I thought they and they had a defense that was maybe the best defense in the NFC. Uh, but then Goff got hurt, and he's noticeably struggled. And then, you know, they lost to the Jets. I, 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 and you can't you can't say the Rams because they're not even going to have Jared Goff here. They might not even you know make. They might not even make it. So maybe the Rams are, or maybe the Seahawks are the best team in the uh, 
uh, NFC. I think they're a bit of a wild card, but right now it looks like the Packers are. I think I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to like say that by default. Uh, I I don't love the Saints. I think the Saints' defense is good. But I don't trust their offense. So it's it's a real wild card in the NFC, like it has been for a very long time. It's completely up in the air. If you keep going down the list there with the Seahawks. Their offense is great, but their defense has struggled a lot this year. It seems to be getting a little bit better. Jamal Adams has been stepping up, which they really needed him to because they gave up a lot it to get him get for the Jets. It couldn't get any worse, though, Rich. It couldn't Sorry. get any worse. It was historically the worst defense in NFL history until a few weeks ago. So yeah. it couldn't have gotten any worse. And then even the Bucks. I mean, we've seen some great things out of the Bucks, but... I still, I'm not convinced I know who the Bucks are. They they look out of sync an awful lot at times. Um, the defense doesn't show up as often as you would expect. I mean, this was a team that in the offseason, that's kind of how it was sold about Brady was going to this team with a young defense um, that if they just could have had a quarterback that didn't throw 30 interceptions last year, could have made a lot of noise. And and don't get me wrong. I mean, the Bucks are a much better team this year with Brady instead of Winston. But you, I, we've also seen some big games where it just seems like the Bucks defense didn't show up. Yeah, uh, they've lost. They've lost to uh, all the teams that are going to the playoffs that they played against, except for the Packers. I don't know if you remember watching that game, but they pretty much ran over the Packers in that game. That was the only. That was the last time the Packers lost. Uh, was to the Bucks, and the Bucks easily won that game. And everybody after that game was saying, "Oh man, look out for the Bucks! They, they, they're 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 the best team on both sides of the ball." It looks like at that point. And then the Bucks would go on to lose to Kansas City, uh, another good team. I can't remember that they played the Rams. They lost to the Rams on a Monday night game, and they struggled. The thing about the Bucks is, I think they had one of the hardest schedules in the NFL. If you like, look at their schedule. Um, they were still able to get out of it and make the playoffs. So I still, I still think we don't know exactly what the Bucks are. I don't think anybody knows, not even the Bucks. So uh, I'm curious to see what happens there. I think the Seahawks are a wild card as well as the Bucks, but I think the Packers right now are in the lead. Maybe the Saints a notch underneath, depending on the health of Drew Brees. And then you got the Bucks and the Seahawks. That's the way I would throw it. And I don't want to waste a lot of time talking about this, but just give me your team. Who's going to win the NFC East? I, I guess I'm going to go Washington. And they need to win this weekend, right? Yeah. If you want and to win the division, I think you have to win this week in the NFC East. Yeah, I guess I'm going to go Washington. I just I think the juju kind of goes their way. If Alex Smith hadn't gotten hurt there, I think maybe they win this going away. You know, like they actually have a respectable eight and eight record, but uh, I think with him going down and Haskins having to come in and all that fiasco with Haskins, uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess I'll say Washington football. I know a lot of a lot of team, a lot of people are going to say Dallas at this point. Is that what you're going to say? No, I'm. I was not going to say Dallas. Um, I I probably would take Washington as well. They're the team that uh, controls their own destiny. If Washington wins, they're in. Um, but the Giants can get in with a win and a Washington loss. So just to be contrarian, I'm going to pick the Giants because I, I like what Joe Judge has done there as well. He's really seemingly built a, a culture around just effort and hard work and similar to what we're seeing in Washington. So I like uh, I like those two teams to win um, on Sunday. But if Washington somehow doesn't beat the Eagles, I mean, Jalen Hurts has looked good. Um, I like the Giants. Oh, did you hear that the Eagles are without like nine starters on defense for Sunday's game? Too? Well, Jalen Hurts better do an awful lot then if they're going to win right. that game. But it doesn't matter to them. I mean, really, a loss is just better drop position for next year. So, The other big question we have with the NFL is about the head coach openings. There's just an awful lot, seemingly. Um, we know there's an opening with the Texans. Uh, we know there's an opening with the Falcons. The news has just come out, which I really didn't need an NFL insider to report this, but um, <laughs> it's being reported that Adam Gase will be gone after the Jets game this weekend. So uh, no surprise there. Really, the big surprise was that he still lasted. But seems like we might have a few head coach openings. Um, who are your, what the hell? your the top Jets candidates? Won two in a row. 
The, the, the Jets have won two in a row. Now you're going to fire Adam Gates? And don't forget about <laughs> Chicago. Uh, there's a lot of Bears fans that want Matt Nagy gone, but the Bears could make the playoffs. Yeah, they're interesting. Uh, I, and there was also rumors this week that uh, Raheem Morris is going to stay on for Atlanta. I don't know if that's been finalized yet, but there's been quite a few rumors the last couple of days that that was going to uh, – that Raheem Morris was going to stay on as the head coach. Uh, who do I like uh, of, of, of to take a head coaching job next year? Is that the question? Yes. Uh uh, I've said this a few times, and I know you've had, I know who I would want, but you've you've had, you've kind of shot it down a few times. But the defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers, Robert Salah, he's to me, I think he's been eyed by a lot of teams for a long time. I know he's been on record saying that, you know, he's going to, you know, take the interviews, he's going to try it, but if the if if the worst thing comes to worse, and he's uh, the worst scenario is that he's still the offense or the still the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. He's going to be totally happy with that. Um, I, I I like him a lot. Um, he's the guy. I I know Josh McDaniels is another guy that people are looking at. Um, I think people still don't trust Josh McDaniels, and I think I think because of what he did to the Colts, I honestly believe that that's still in people's heads. So. I would take him off the list. Um, I think Robert Salah is the top guy right now, and also the offensive coordinator in Kansas City. Uh, I have a hard time pronouncing his name. Eric Bieniemy. Bieniemy. Yeah, I think he's another guy that people really like. You know, part of the Andy Reid train. You know, tree coaching tree, so to speak. I know that there's a lot of respect for him. So maybe him and uh, Robert Salah. I think either of those guys could uh, make strong head coaches. Yeah, I think those are the two top guys in my mind that are available, are Biennemi and Salah. Um, obviously, I get to watch Salah every week as a 49ers fan, and he's just this fiery guy that the players really rally around, and I think he would make an excellent head coach. He, he's a fantastic defensive coordinator, um, but he just seems to have that ability to rally the team around him. Um, and not every great coordinator can be a head coach but you you just see this guy on the sidelines and from the outside looking in I think he has what it takes um the enemy he's been interviewing year after year but it seems like this is the year that he's finally going to get that shot I think Houston might be the place that he ends up um Sala the big rumor I'm hearing is Detroit as well there so those are the two top guys um Brian Dable though offensive coordinator for the bills is getting an awful lot of talk these last few weeks with the way uh, you mentioned earlier josh allen having a career year and the bills offense just shocking the world really i mean nobody saw the bills offense coming on this strong so dable's getting a lot of talk um a couple other names that i have seen out there uh joe brady the passing game coordinator for carolina he's in his first year in the nfl as a passing game coordinator it would be a big risk to hire someone like that as your head coach already. I think I think Joe Brady has a, a future as a head coach in this league, but I think it might be a bit early. Um, McDaniels, you mentioned, I agree. I, I think he's missed his chance. If he wants to be a head coach, it's it's going to be in New England. Um, but I don't think it's a guarantee either. I, I don't think he has no, a handshake so deal either. from Kraft or anything. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, um, do you think of anybody from the college ranks that could come up? Well, I mean, you hear the names over and over again. It's always Lincoln Riley or Davo Sweeney, but I don't think either of those guys would leave the situation they're in in college. If you if you look back, usually the guys that get hired from college are good coaches that are at um, not the top, top programs because those guys have it better than any NFL head coach. If you're the head coach at Oklahoma or Clemson, or Alabama, you know, one of those places. You, There's some guys that want to go to the NFL, but I don't think either of those guys are interested. If anything, <laughs> oh, Michigan fans might be happy to hear this, but I think Harbaugh might be the guy that comes back from the college ranks if uh, if they're going to hire anyone to an NFL really? coaching position. I kind of, I think Robert Salah is kind of a lot like Jim Harbaugh, a really fiery guy. 
Uh, what a shit show it's been there at Michigan with Harbaugh. Yeah, and that's that's the other thing about it is I believe he has one year left on his contract. Um, so if they don't extend him, then it's pretty rare in the college ranks to to coach out your final year of your contract on at a big name school, a big time program like that, right? Um, mm-hmm. So Harbaugh could be a potential uh, for an NFL team and. I've also heard rumors that maybe he could just go across uh, the state a little bit and coach the Lions, right? What is it, about an hour drive or so, I think, from mm-hmm. Ann Arbor to Detroit. So that's an option. Um, I would go with Salah if I was them. But I, w- I wonder who wants that Jets job. Like, who wants it? Now that you're not, there's a good chance you're not even going to get Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I guess they're not going to get Trevor Lawrence. Is it going to be fields there uh well that's the other question i have for you art i'm seeing it all over twitter today after last night's game where justin fields dominated um and trevor lawrence had by all accounts an okay game um has that changed anything in your mind about who should go number one with the jaguars holding the pick is it going to be trevor lawrence or has justin fields elevated himself with that performance no man no uh, Trevor Lawrence is the best player in college football, and he has been for, I don't know, how many years now? Yeah, they didn't win three in a row, but hey, he's the best. And if you thought Justin Herbert was good, this guy's Justin Herbert on steroids. Seriously. Uh, Fields, though, like him. Like, I think he's, he's uh, he, he looks a lot like Dak Prescott. You know, maybe a little bit better in the run game than Dak Prescott. And Prescott's not bad with the running ability, so uh, I think you're getting a pretty good player with Fields, but I think, you know, Lawrence has, he has the ability to be special, like Patrick Mahomes type special. He has that kind of arm, and he's better running the ball than Mahomes is too. Uh, I think you'd be crazy not to take Lawrence. Absolutely crazy. So if if Lawrence still goes number one to the Jags, maybe Fields, who has been considered as a potential number two overall pick, that effort and now he's got a chance in the national championship to really elevate himself if he can turn in another performance like that lead ohio state to the title he could i mean he could go number one crazier things have happened but you would think at the very minimum it's going to be uh one two with fields going and so the jets i mean there's a lot of talk that they're going to take fields now after what happened last night and would you take fields or would you trade down because you have Sam Darnold there but are you are you certain that Sam Darnold isn't going to be your guy and you're going to go with one of these guys because that's the question I like Sam Darnold but I I think he's kind of he's tarnished goods at this point um the Jets have just been such a mess of a franchise if you look back a lot of guys um with a lot of talent that got drafted to a bad situation that just didn't pan out the way a lot of people would have expected um and i think that it could be the exact same situation with darnold here so looking at it and all the weaknesses they have i think what they i think what they will do is they'll draft fields and they'll trade darnold um i don't know if it's the right move i think the best move for them would probably be trying to trade down but not too too far down maybe just inside the top 10 and and trying to get I don't know if there's anyone behind them with two picks that really want a quarterback um but if they could get two first rounders uh this year and then add another first rounder next year that might be a deal worth doing because really that's that's what they need is a lot of help right um so what they should be doing is trying to leverage the second overall pick and the temptation of Justin Fields to a team that really needs a quarterback because the other alternative is they select Fields and then they have to trade Darnold for pennies on the dollar. Nobody is happier about Justin Fields' progression here. And it's really only in one game. This one game against Clemson, and granted, it's a huge game, but like he didn't play well in the game before heading into this game. Uh, you know, the stock was down on Fields, but now the stock is rising, and it's like, wow, the Jets are the big benefiter of it, right? Because they hold that second overall pick. And it's so crazy about how stocks can change like that with nothing happened on the field, right? Nothing happening for the Jets on their, you know, they're just watching college football. It's 
it's uh, it's interesting at least because uh, the fact that his stock is going up, the Jets couldn't be happier. Well, that's the thing, and there's always a chance that you know there's still one game left, and so yeah, the stock has risen a lot, but there's still that national championship yeah. game and a lot of things could happen. He could turn in an, an epically terrible performance and tank that stock. He could turn in another huge performance and then you're going to have questions about who's going number one. He could get hurt. I mean, there's so many things that could happen in one game. So uh, that's so, where it sits right now. The Jets have a lot of leverage in that situation when looking at a potential trade out of the number two spot, but we don't know how it's going to end. Yeah. I, I just, it's 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 fascinating to watch though, uh, but we can't just take it on one game. That's why Trevor Lawrence is clearly the number one pick and will be. Now, right, moving over to baseball, um, biggest story I'm seeing right now is that the San Diego Padres. Uh, I guess they got tired of watching the Dodgers win. Well, I mean, the Dodgers have been to a lot of World Series lately, but winning the World Series this year or last year, now that we're into 20. I'm already doing it, Art. I've already messed it up. I said <laughs> this year. It was clearly last year. Um, but the Padres God, getting tired of watching the Dodgers win, and have they done enough to take down the Dodgers, at least on paper? Because you add the AL Cy Young in Snell, which is, I, I don't even know what to say about that trade, what the Rays are thinking with three years left on the deal, but also doesn't surprise me. Um, but also going out and getting Darvish. They signed the South Korean infielder Ha Seong Kim. Hope I said that one right. And then you've already got Fernando Tatis and Manny Machado. Um, some other guys on the roster as well. They've got a pretty deep roster. So, But those star players, that's a good-looking team. Yeah. Uh, as soon as they got Snell, and it's funny because we should have known that that was going well. Not should have known, but we could have thought the relationship soured between uh, Tampa Bay Rays and Blake Snell that moment they took him out of the game. Maybe in hindsight, 2020, because that's what it is at this point, uh, you can look at it and be like, that's one of the worst moves in World Series history, taking Snell out of the game. And now Snell's been traded to, oh, lo and behold, the San Diego Padres, another contender, uh, a contender that's in the same division as the LA Dodgers. I love it. The Dodgers are a powerhouse and they've been to the world series. What was it? You know, three of the last four years or something like that. After, uh, after this past year where they finally were able to win. Um, are they better? Great question. I don't know if they're better. Uh, if you look on paper, it, it depends on uh, the progression of Tatis, Fernando Tatis, who looks like he's one of the best players in the game right now. Can he do that another year? then maybe but if you look at that Dodgers roster you know top down still they're ridiculous with uh, Bellinger and and um, Corey Seager and uh, Mookie Betts and of course Clayton Kershaw and uh, Walker Bueller like their their team is very very strong but yeah I'm with you though that yes the the now the Padres are legit on paper as strong so it's got to be played out on paper i don't think they're quite there maybe you know you can maybe maybe you know massage it a little bit during the regular season i don't think clayton kershaw is done i i I think he the way he ended last year how strong he was i think he could have a little resurgence just like justin verlander and be right back to where he was so I, i don't think they are the favorites but they're right there the other thing about the Padres is they're the most fun team in the majors as well. Like they, they kind of throw out the old unwritten rules of baseball, which is, I I don't know. You and I talk about it, Art, but the, the unwritten rules of baseball is just ridiculous. There's, there's written rules for a reason. And if it's unwritten, it's also for a reason, Um, you know, throwing a baseball at a guy for hitting a home run or whatever, celebrating a home run. It's, it's so ridiculous. Uh, you just compare it to any other sport. Um, you know, the NFL, they're like doing choreographed dances after touchdowns. And in hockey, they're jumping against the boards and, you know, getting all 
excited about the goal whatever sport it is doesn't really matter but a home run oh you know you celebrated a home run so I'm gonna hit you with a baseball I, I just think it's ridiculous but I what I love about the Padres is that they throw those unwritten rules out and they just have a good time uh Tatis is like the leader of that group Machado does it too you know they're they're just a fun loving team and it's it's a fun team to get behind so I'm I'm really interested to see how Snell and Darvish kind of transform their rotation and then like adding in um kim is hopefully going to have an impact for them i mean obviously i don't know much about him but the scouting reports are that he's a very strong player so um their infield looks great that's what it looks like to me and then having snell and darvish their rotation looks great as well yeah their rotation and that's really usually what it comes down to in the playoffs right the rotation and then you get a couple of guys hot. Uh, they still got some. They still got some young players, and they got some old players on this team. Like like Eric Hosmer, that guy is legit veteran now. And Manny Machado's a veteran now too. So for Tatis is like the young guy coming in. I, yeah, they're fun. They are. They're lots of fun. Um, and I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy that Snell gets out of the no fun zone. That's what I'm calling the Tampa Bay Rays, man. No fun. Yeah. The whole franchise is no fun. I, I think yeah. they said um, that the Florida law or I, I don't know what the law is in Florida, but they're going to allow like uh, 10% capacity or something for the baseball games in Florida, which not going to be much different for the Rays. So it's kind of a sad situation <laughs> and we look forward to seeing them playing in Montreal Sunday. Yes. Hopefully sooner rather than later. How about uh, free agency, though? The Major League Baseball free agency, I always just find so weird because how it just drags on for months on end. Um, you know, you've got opening day of free agency and in, in all the other sports, and it's $100 million contracts, $200 million contracts getting dished out left and right. And after the first couple days, usually the, the top guys are gone. Sometimes basketball can drag on for a week or so, but uh, NFL-wise... Uh, NHL wise those guys sign pretty quickly so it's a little bit weird but uh, read the report that George Springer has reportedly narrowed down uh, his decision to two teams the Blue Jays or the Mets um, and he'll decide sometime in January I just find the whole thing so strange though Art it couldn't just another team at any point jump in and make a better offer like until you make a decision have you really narrowed it down maybe he just doesn't have that many offers you know, I, I, I with the state of COVID and uh, uh, I don't think Major League Baseball, they don't have the type of TV money that that uh, at least to my knowledge, that they don't have the type of TV money that uh, the NBA and the NFL has. So I, I you've seen their ticket there. You've seen their uh, the contracts, uh, you know, go down. There's only a few guys that are making a ridiculous amounts of money, the disparate disparity between the smaller contracts and the bigger contracts are pretty is pretty exponential right now in baseball. And when I'm looking at this, I, I, I don't know if George Springer has that many suitors, even though he should be. He's a really great player. Maybe people don't like that he's still attached to the you know, the biggest scandal in baseball history, the trash can banging Astros. Maybe that's it. I, I there could be a lot of things that go into this, but uh I'm surprised. I, I hope he comes to Toronto because I think he's a great player. Um, is there another team that would like to have him? Probably, but maybe not, you know, with the type of money that he's asking for. Well, the other big guy is uh, Trevor Bauer, who's reportedly trying to get somewhere around, I think I read $35 million per year or $30 million per year. He basically wants to uh, be the highest paid pitcher in the major leagues. So, um again linked to the blue jays and i think the mets as well um but i think he has a lot of teams but as you just mentioned with the state of the business due to the pandemic is he is he going to really be able to get an offer uh to make him the highest paid pitcher in the game i think i think it's going to be really difficult this year to get that uh if you go by his numbers he is like he's a top five pitcher in baseball if you go by the numbers you know i I don't know if I'm willing to give him that kind of money. I think character comes into play with him a little bit too. I know he said some interesting things on his Instagram and uh, Twitter and stuff like that. And to the press just straight up, 
Um, are you willing to give him the most dollars of, you know, any pitcher right now? Maybe it's all about opportunity, right? Uh, you know, someone needs someone needs that ace pitcher. Let's give him, you know, let's give him the biggest contract. He just happens to be the guy that's available. I don't know. Are you willing to spend that kind of money on Trevor Power? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I the numbers be. are there. He had an unbelievable yeah. season last year, but. You're right. Character does play an issue. I can't forget uh, him missing a start in the playoffs because he cut his finger on a drone. Um, and I'm trying to remember the details of that story, but I think he like punched the drone or was angry with the drone and used his hand. It was something really stupid, and he missed a game because of it. So now the other side of that coin is I seem to remember that he he took a game off. He either missed the next game or he pitched the next game but he pitched one of the next couple games um and he put together a pretty dominant effort from what i remember and i think you know he he's just an emotional guy and he pitches with that emotion and when you get him when you get him all worked up like that he can turn in some of his best performances so yeah i don't know i don't know that i would want to put uh 200 plus million dollars into the guy though um but he definitely deserves to be one of the top paid pitchers in baseball yeah, he does. Um, I, does he deserve to be the top paid guy? I don't know. But if if the Jays are really able to get him and get George Springer, hey, maybe they can uh, battle with the uh, the Bronx Bombers, right? Oh, it's totally possible. I mean, the Mets' uh, new ownership, Steve Cohen, I think his name, right? Um, supposedly has extremely deep pockets and he's willing to spend. Um, you know, you kind of look at it, it's a different, very different situation, but the way the free agents have flocked to the Brooklyn Nets in the NBA as opposed to the New York Knicks, which is the traditional franchise of the city, um, you know, could something similar happen where free agents could be flocking to the Mets instead of the Yankees? Well, never instead of the Yankees because the Yankees are <laughs> trying to compare them yeah. to the Knicks is a terrible idea. Um, but just the idea of the Mets kind of being that ugly stepchild that um suddenly becomes part of the story some more um so yeah. i'd love to see the mets get involved a little bit in, in some of these signings how about uh in the nba art few games into the the new season feels a little bit weird to have basketball back already it feels like we just just finished the season um but the something that caught my eye the other day was that lebron um it was his thousandth consecutive regular season game where he scored at least uh, 10 points. He scored in double digits, which 10 points isn't a lot, um, but a thousand straight games, it's just staggering the consistency that he plays with. And uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier with the the championship with the Lakers um, being three with three teams, having championships with three teams. But you add in something like that, a uh, thousand straight games with, double digit scoring it's it's remarkable i'm where where does he sit in your greatest players of all time list where does he sit on your list oh oh, oh, wow i think he's top three uh you know maybe top two yeah the the longevity of this guy the amount of minutes that this guy has played uh he's a physical freak and like and not to say that michael wasn't a physical freak or Will Chamberlain or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, they were physical freaks in their own ways. But LeBron James is the whole package, man. And he has been his entire career from start to finish. Like, this guy. And and, and this is why, you know, it's not surprising that he has a 1,000 straight games with 10 points or more. Uh, he, he keeps himself in such great shape. And the longevity that he has played with is going to be probably his greatest attribute in the end right you might want to say the same with tom brady in the nfl you know the longevity of the of which these guys can play at such a high level is is what's going to determine their greatness so for me he's he's two or three you know he's in the top three if someone told me he was one two or three i wouldn't bat at an eye i wouldn't really argue yeah, a lot of times when you hear the longevity argument, the the counter argument to that is about um, like just because someone sticks around a long time and compiles stats doesn't make them 
a Hall of Famer or the greatest, and I'm not just speaking LeBron specific, but in terms of the longevity argument, you hear that um, counter argument a lot. And, and against LeBron as well, you know, just because he's played a long time, now he's he's going to be the, potentially, I don't know if he's ever going to pass Kareem, but uh, he's potentially going to be the number one scorer of all time. Um, I believe he's already number one playoff scorer of all time. Um, so, yes, longevity plays into it. But this is not like uh, Frank Gore, you know, getting no. 300 yards every year. LeBron James is seemingly getting better every year he's playing with a fire that he didn't seem to have earlier in his career like he understands what it means to his legacy and the opportunity he has to cement himself in history at this moment in time you see it the fire and passion he plays with and we're living in a generation where these guys invest a lot of money um, in their bodies and being able to play at a high level for a long time it just wasn't done back in Michael Jordan's era, right? Um, but with that said, I think trying to call the argument over with already, it's way too premature because what if he, what if LeBron rattles off two more in a row here and he wins three straight with the Lakers? I mean, that's yeah. definitely possible. He, and then he you're going to, but then you're going to get other arguments. You're going to get other stuff like, you know, maybe he's not the best player on his own team anymore with Anthony Davis, but. I think, I, and I and I appreciate that you brought that up, Rich. Uh, what I, what I what I should have said, and to clarify what I what I meant was, the run of sustained excellence is what I mean. He's not Vince Carter going twenty one years in the last like ten years of his career. He's a sixth man off the bench. We're talking a top, you know, a top contender for the MVP, you know, almost every year. That's what that's the kind of sustained excellence that I'm talking about that he is in select company doing that. He right? won I believe 3 out of 4 or 4 out of 5. He won 4 out of 5 MVP awards at one point in his career and I think it started in the kind of mid to late 2000s over 10 years ago. That run started, Derek, and he's Derek Rose. Derek Rose broke that. Derek up. Rose was the only one that won yeah. in that five-year span, um, and he was, I thought, should have been the MVP this year. Um, Giannis was also a great, a great winner, um, and I can't argue it. But I, I would have voted for LeBron, and in any case, he was runner-up, right? So he's right there for the MVP still at this age. And the performance he put in the playoffs was remarkable. And if he comes back and, and the Lakers can repeat and he he's so heavily involved in it again, I mean, he's really making it tough. And if you had asked me this when he won the title with the Cavs, because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but after he won his title with the Cavaliers, I think he said that he was the GOAT now. Like that cemented it, yeah, <laughs> which I, I respect his his opinion about himself, you know, like <laughs> if you're LeBron James, you should think you're the greatest of all time. You have to have that kind of confidence and belief in yourself. Right. Um, but I thought, no way it's Michael Jordan, no question. And it'll never be anything different, but I'm starting to come around on the LeBron camp. It's totally possible. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to like, I'm one of those guys who, it's very hard to get me off Michael Jordan, but I 100% very much respect the sustained longevity of excellence that he it far outseeds uh, Michael Jordan at this point. And, and yeah, granted, Michael Jordan retired. He retired twice and came back, but no, you know, that's his own decisions. Uh, LeBron James, if we're going by the numbers too, and by the end of it, it's, He's going to have all the records and he's going to have the rings. So yeah, there is going to be a serious discussion that happens at the end of LeBron James's career. And if he, like you said, if he wins two, another two in a row, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people that are eating crow on that one, man. And maybe that's going to be me as well. It could be, it could be. Do you know what the best moment of 2021 was so far though? Sorry, Rich. Yeah. Best moment of 2021 so far. Waking up yesterday morning, 
you know, the new year has come. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to punish myself. I'm going to open up Netflix and I'm going to see for myself with my own eyes that The Office is gone <laughs> forever. It was, a, it was a sad moment, but it's kind of like you have to grieve, right? You have to have a grieving process. So this was part of my grieving process that I was going to see it with my own eyes that The Office was gone. So I open up my phone and I open up the app and first thing that pops up, continue watching The Office. It was magical art. It was a magical moment. So got on Twitter, started searching The Office, Netflix Canada, and it was all just a bad dream that we were living in. All of the horribleness of 2020, maybe not all, but some of it, like The Office leaving Netflix potentially, was all a bad dream. And that's that's been the best part of 2021 so far. The year is off to a great start because we here in Canada still get to watch The Office on Netflix. Oh, I love so much that that was the first tweet that, or the first, yeah, the first tweet that I read. You were at the top of my story, also uh, timeline, and also the first text message that you sent me was about The Office not actually being off Netflix, and this is the greatest thing that 2021 has brought to us so far. And quite frankly, you're right. What a great way to start off this year after the horribleness that was 2020. To get that news first thing, and I'm really proud of you, and of course it would be you that would search this out first thing in 2021 if The Office was really leaving Netflix in Canada. Uh, just another reason why things are better on this side of the border, right? Yes, <laughs> one, one reason. It might be the top reason, but there's many other very important reasons That's in our humble opinion, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, it's up for discussion. Yeah. All right, we're down to our uh, our final couple of minutes here. But before we go, you told me um, the other day that you're thinking about splurging on something, um, spending some big money on a, on a very special purchase. And I want to know, have you gone through with it? Have you purchased the Dyson vacuum that you're interested in? Oh, buddy. No, I have not. I, it's, I, I, I don't know about you. But whenever I purchase something that's like over, let's say, 150 bucks or 200 bucks, I'm not that cheap. Anything that's over 200 bucks, I agonize about it. I, I watch YouTube videos. I study. I search. I, you know, I do everything I can before making this purchase. And I'm still going through my process here. Of, you know, should I buy this or should I spend less? on an inferior product or should i you know spend the big bucks get what you pay for get the dyson it is the mother of all vacuums everybody swears by the dyson uh, i just got a cat in 2020 she sheds hair all over the place she is you know making a mess here and there and i feel like i need to get something to 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 slop up the dirt and uh, everybody says it should be the Dyson, so I, I'm searching. I'm searching for that right vacuum. Is it the Dyson? Probably. Am I willing to spend the big money on it? I don't know yet. I want to, though. I really want to, Rich. So we're going to leave everyone with that, but I, I hope that our, our loyal listener base will chime in with their opinion about whether you should go for the Dyson or whether you should save some money and find a cheaper option. So I look forward to hearing what Cash has to say on the matter. <laughs> this has been Worthlessly Worthwhile. Thanks for listening. 